This is Let's Talk Business with your hosts, Mark Ebinger and Howie Nestel. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, the show that talks entrepreneurship with some of the best businesses in the San Antonio area. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk with Shay Pumarejo, the CEO and designer at Unique Designs and an expert at kitchen and bath design for remodels. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. You bet. We're also going to talk with Purik Mulgru, the owner of Nightwatch Games. Purik specializes in game design and community building. Purik, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. In studio with us today is Howie Nestel, the owner of Sharkmatic Advertising. It's one of my favorite company names, by the way, where he and his team have helped over 1,500 clients grow their marketing influence. Howie, welcome back. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. The name's not for sale, but the company is $1.3 billion. <laughs> Billion with a B. <laughs> anyway, all right, and I'm your host, Mark Eminger, the owner of Krukus Marketing Agency, a company that specializes in giving small businesses a competitive edge by hiring low-cost lead generation and telemarketing experts from outside the United States and everything else as I built my entire company based on remote workers from the Philippines. A quick reminder for our listeners, you can catch video and podcast versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. And if you're a business owner in the San Antonio area and would like to have your company featured on the show, we'd love to have you. Visit our website at satalkradio.com or call our office at 210-879-8804. That's 210-879-8804. All right, so I know there's a lot to talk about here, and I I usually put in, like, you know, a a chunk of stuff. But definitely, I think we're – I want to spend some extra time with each of you guys today uh, because I think there's just so much in here to talk about. So I'm just going to jump right into the introductions, and then we'll just kind of see how time fills out, because I think we're going to be a pretty chatty group here. <laughs> so first up on the show is Shay Pumarejo, the CEO and Principal Designer at Unique Designs and an expert at kitchen and bath designs for remodels. So Shay, again, welcome. Um, you are a certified master kitchen and bath designer, a nine-time NKBA National Design Com- Competition winner, uh, International Design and Architectural Awards as well. And the KBDN Awards, the Kitchen Course of Kitchen Bath Design. So you definitely know what you're doing. A little bit. Do you enjoy it? I love it. What do you love about it? Um, so I love walking into a space and seeing the potential. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the homes that I walk in, obviously, the homeowner is ready to remodel. So it's dated or it's not functioning for them in some way. And I love the challenge of just kind of having those existing conditions and those parameters that I have to design within. And we really um, dive in deep with our clients to find out how they're using the space, who's using the space, how many cooks are in that kitchen at a time, what else are they doing within that space besides cooking, are we entertaining, are we doing homework and art projects in the kitchen as a lot of us do. Um, And then really creating that space to function specifically for how that family w- lives within that space. So your your passion is there. My right? passion. And I love, so what we do is mostly completely transformational. So from the before pictures to the after pictures, you would not recognize that as the same space. So do you do a lot on social media where you get to share that with the rest of us? I do. You do, excellent. <laughs> so Instagram, Facebook, where do you pro- Instagram and Facebook. Okay, good. Yeah. So lots of before and afters. Lots and of before and afters. All right, cool. I, like that. I would say most homes are not optimized for the current owner, right? Because right. somebody else built it mm-hmm. for their needs and their specs, and then somebody buys it, and then they start to realize, oh, 
man, if I only had this, if mm-hmm. I could only have this access, Or if this was only moved there. Right. I don't know about you. I've lived in a lot of homes in my lifetime, and I have never moved into a home that completely functioned for the way that I needed it to. Like, there's there are always frustrations about a space, and you're like, man, why didn't they just take the time right. to consider this or think about the flow and think about like I need landing space there for to put my groceries down and load them into the fridge or I need you know whatever it is there's always some sort of pain point and frustration and so when you're going into a kitchen remodel kitchen remodels are not inexpensive Um, for us they start around a hundred thousand dollars and that's you know not nothing to sneeze at but you can spend a lot of money on a remodel and still have it not function when you're finished. Yeah, but maybe you just made it pretty. Back, yeah. you know, back in the day, you can buy a house for a hundred thousand, but now you can't even get a car for a hundred thousand. So no. I think that sounds reasonable, yeah. <laughs> right? Especially if you're watching those shows out of California and they're talking about remodels running a hundred, hundred fifty thousand. That's a standard budget, Eas- oh, yeah. easily. It, and you know, and that's for much smaller space because property values in California are a lot more than what we get for square footage right. here in San Antonio. Well, all the money's in the land there. The money's in yeah. the land. But, um, you know, like with the pandemic, we really kind of saw um, a rise in, in prices of building materials and kind of just about everything that gets shipped from around the world. Um, and there were all kinds of supply chain issues. And that has kind of gotten under control, uh, you know, for the most part. Right. Supply is there, but pricing didn't go back. Pricing to what it used to went down, be. you know, but not down to where it was pre-pandemic. Right. Does it ever? I mean, it's like no, insurance prices. Like, like gas right? prices, right? So they go up, they don't come back down. <laughs> so you're a certified master designer. What does right. that mean? Well, um, I'm a certified master kitchen and bath designer through the NKBA. That's the National Kitchen and Bath Association. And they literally set the standard for kitchen and bath design um, around the world. So they do all sorts of studies um, as to you know, how to make a space ergonomic and how to make it function and how to make it safe. And it has to do with clearances and landing spaces and how door swings into a space. And um, they also do ADA accessible standards and that sort of thing. So it really goes above and beyond um, your building codes. Your local building codes are set. Those are the minimum safety standards. Um, you really focus on functionality. Then. Function I mean, first, for sure. Yeah. Especially, so a kitchen and a bathroom, like those are the workhorses of your home, right? You have cabinetry and, and you're storing a lot of things and you're using a lot of things. The other spaces in our homes, like a bedroom and a living room, you have furniture and you spend time in those spaces, but it it's not functioning the same way, right? right? Most of the things that we store are in the kitchen and in the bathroom. So really having well thought out planning of how those spaces are being used and everybody lives within their home differently. So everybody cooks differently. I have um, some clients who, um, for example, I just finished a project um, for a woman who loves to bake and her kitchen's kind of small. She's, she's just downsized. And her kitchen wasn't that big, but she loves to bake, and she wants to be able to have all of her baking things in in a space where she can utilize that and not have to, um, you know, like get down on her hands and knees to crawl into the back of that 
cabinet oh, yeah. and and get out that big heavy mixer and use that because then we tend to not do the things that we enjoy because it's not easy to get to them. It's not easy to use them. So what I did was I created a floor to ceiling full depth cabinet for her and it has all of her baking things inside. So at the top of that cabinet where she has to reach up high, we had vertical dividers for her baking sheets, her cake pans, her muffin tins, and all of those things. And then kind of at counter level, we had a rollout and I did an outlet in the back of this cabinet. There's a, a safety um, on it. So when you close the doors, there's a, a latch switch that turns the power off to oh, that nice. so that it's not a fire hazard. But she can put her small appliances there that she uses, like her mixer and um, her blender, and she can roll that out and use those appliances in space yeah. and not have to lift them and put them on the counter. And then when she's finished, she just rolls it back in and closes the door. So Brilliant. underneath that, we have a yeah. drawer for kind of all of her measuring spoons and measuring cups and you know, rubber spatulas and, and all of the baking things and underneath that mixing bowls and everything is right there for her. So she can just like grab what she needs and it's all in that zone, in that zone for her baking. So when it comes to remodeling, the designer's role is pretty straightforward, but the creativity needed there I think is pretty vast and, and I think the experience would help with that as well. What do you see the designer's role in when it comes to remodeling? So we're really a one-stop shop. We're more than just um, the designer that is picking pretty finishes. Um, most interior design programs in colleges, they don't get into kitchen and bath design. There's a real push um, in the at the university level to push students into commercial design. And so they're missing out on that whole, because a, a lot of the students that come to me as interns and whatever, um, are really disappointed once they get into the whole curriculum and they wanted to get into residential design and they're being pushed into commercial. But um, so we're the one-stop shop. We, we go in and we measure the existing space and we draw the as-builts. And then I sit down and do a rough sketch and I bubble out um, where the work zones are gonna be. This is all after I have um, our initial meeting, our project kickoff meeting can last up to three hours. And that's where I have the whole family there and we are really asking more questions than you ever wanted to know about your kitchen and how it gets used and do the kids help cook and you know, who are you grabbing snacks on the go and waters on the go or are we buying in bulk? Um, you know, how does that space where function? Where are you going to feed the pets? Exa the, yeah. Exactly. That, too, that's a big part of it. And then how do you shop, too? Because some of us shop at Costco, and we need storage for our bulk items. Or some of us, you know, go to the grocery store every day so that we have fresh ingredients. But everybody is different. And so we're, we're going to go and I'm going to space plan that and create those work zones and create the the storage for every single thing that you have. I'm going to inventory your pots and pans and, and your dishes and what do you use most often. Those things are going to be easily accessible and other things we're going to create storage where we you know don't need to get to it every day. Um, and then from there we go and we're going to draw your construction plans. So um, your new 
new floor plan, your demo plan, your reflected ceiling plan, all your detailed elevations. And our plans are very detailed in um, you know, how the tile's gonna lay out in the backsplash, what the cabinets are gonna be. And our cabinet drawings are very, very detailed and they show you know, every little filler and what the door style is and where the hardware is gonna go. And um, this has all been very well thought out. Are we having drawers on those base cabinets or doors? And are we, you know, like every detail yeah, is in our drawings. Soft clothes, lighting underneath all the cabinets, it. what kind of lights to put in, where the switch is gonna be. Do you have to walk all the way to the end of the cabinet to turn them on? Switching or the, and oh my lighting God. is yeah, definitely. We, if you could tell, I did a remodel and there's some things that I was like, oh, I wish somebody had told me that I needed an outlet here because this is where we drop our cell phones and we all want to, you know, it's like, and that's why you need a certified master Right, and, and aside from that, I also attend KBiz, which is the kitchen and bath industry show. It's the largest kitchen and bath show um, on the planet. and it's, Is it somewhere fun? Um, it's either in Vegas or in Orlando because it's been combined with mm -hmm. the, the builder show for the last several years. And so it's just like, it's like Disney World for me and <laughs> for builders. Um, in three days, you can't see everything, right? But you get to see the latest and greatest in technology and in innovation and in finishes and fixtures and what's really happening within the industry. So Those are fun. Yeah, if you don't do this every day, it's hard to know what's available to you. And so just having somebody that's um, kind of a thought leader and in touch with what's happening, um, cutting edge on the, in the industry right. really allows you to make decisions based on everything that's available. Yeah. And more so than ever, your home is your largest asset, your biggest investment, biggest liability, whatever you want to call it. Where you spend it. all your time. Yeah. And so Absolutely. you want it done right. You got to have it done right. And, and uh, talk a little bit about what happened during the pandemic. What shift did you see in your industry or more <laughs> people staying in their home? I, don't, don't pick 50 different things. Yeah. Pick one, one big one that you saw like a it big was a roller trend coaster com ride. Com completely changed. It was a roller coaster ride. Um, and it was complete panic because you think as a designer, oh my gosh, people are going to stop spending money and this is the first thing they're going to cut back on. But really for about two months, everything came to a screeching halt. And then the phone started ringing again. And I'm like, well, what's happening? Well, what was happening was people were officing out of their house and the kids were home and they were all stuck in the house together. Yeah, and they so realize they don't like their kids as much as maybe they <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, this is not a therapy yeah, session, or Mark. Well, that's, or that's in the next hour. <laughs> but, you know, here we are, because for the last, I don't know, 20 years or so, we've all been um, loving these big open floor plans, right? And everybody wants to be communal and everybody wants to have these big open spaces. And now the pandemic forced everybody into the home together and well noise travels and so when you're on a zoom call and you can hear the kids you know in the other room and you can hear the dog barking and you know this created a need for um blood pressure medication <laughs> 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 for sure but also for privacy and for you know finding a space where you can close the door and just you know have thoughts of your own yes. <laughs> and the other thing is you started noticing that this is not working this is broken this is i mean there was so much remodeling going on because people are finally spending time in their own homes well that too and and right now especially i think our industry is just exploding because um 
you know, the real estate market did what it did. And new construction is so expensive right now. And people are really deciding to stay in their homes. Yeah. Interest rates are high, so they don't want to go buy another house. Because I I saw a report that 60-something percent of the population is still at a very low interest rate. And if they move, they're not going to get that same low interest rate. I'm never moving. I bought two years ago when, when it was, like, amazing. What rate did you get? Like two and a half. Yeah. Oh, that's better than mine. It's nice <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. So um, I can never move. Um, well, we're we're running up on time here. Is uh, if folks want to get in touch with you? How do they do that? Absolutely. So um, they can hit me up on my website. It's <coughs> www.myunique spelled y o u n i q u e designs dot com. Um, my Instagram and my Facebook are both at My Unique Designs. And um, my office number is... Um, uh, 210, probably. <laughs> 210-357-7828. And I'm also giving a special for anybody who mentions this podcast. Um, I have a initial design consultation that's typically $500, and it's free t- for anybody that mentions this podcast. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thanks, Shay. Yeah, thank you. Learn a lot. Uh, I love going to home and garden shows and stuff like that. So what's this one in Vegas? Is it once a year or what? Once a year. It's not a home and garden show. It's an oh. industry-specific show. Yeah. So no, for they, they wouldn't let me in. Is that what they, you're saying? No, they'd, le- they'd let you <laughs> in probably. But it's more than a home and garden show. It's, right. uh, it's a home and garden show on crack. It's yeah. All the latest, greatest technology. It's gadgets, amazing. And vendors. It, Combined with the builder yeah. show, so it's everything about cons- the construction industry, and then the kitchen. It, the, so the kitchen and bath stuff's kind of on one side, and it's in the convention center, either in Orlando or in Vegas. And they're the reason they have them there is because those are the two largest conventions. Yeah, yeah. And Vegas has that new one. I was just there, and it was incredible. How yeah. Vegas doing center. anyway, Allie? I mean, uh, I hear that it's like a lot of homeless people and stuff like that. Now, what was your experience? In Vegas? You were just there, yeah. Uh, yeah, th- there are. You know, it, it seems like a lot more, you know, than there ever have been. And and as you go further west, you start to see more and more of that. Wow. You know, they have. And Vegas, it's not like they have decent weather. But when I was there three weeks ago, it was actually cooler than it was in San Antonio. Yeah, well, Vegas was 99 dry, and here was 105 and humid, baby. Yeah, But, yeah, bad. no, that's happening a lot. And I think you're seeing that. Not for this show, but I think you're seeing a uh, an income divide that continues to widen, and you know, and you know, in the home industry, I mean, you could start to see people are are getting to the point where they can't even afford the homes that they've owned for many, many years. Their taxes go up, uh, the the expenses to run those homes are are up, and so uh, partly what you do is valuable, but I think it becomes valuable for a smaller and smaller population because there are the there, there are, I think, more have-nots that can't afford a hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand dollar kitchen remodel. Well, but luckily, but you can target those people that you and you once you find them, once you know where they're at, yeah, and then they talk. Luckily, yeah, historically, our property values double every ten to twenty years. So if you've been in your home more than twenty years, it's probably time for a remodel about sure. every twenty years, right? Need to update things. Um, you've got some equity in the house, and so you you know you can yeah. get a home equity right. line Barfing. credit, yeah. home, home equity loan. Makes perfect sense, yeah. and you increase the value of your home mm-hmm. after that. I do believe there should fun. be tax limits on right um, property taxes. 
uh, yeah, for the elderly. Yeah. You know, like once you reach retirement age, no, they do. They, they have it. Yeah, then yeah. it come, becomes your homestead, and then you you're but you you stop at that point. Mm-hmm. But what happens if your that point is pretty high, and then you're stuck there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Next up on the show is Purik Mulgrew, the owner of Nightwatch Games. Purik specializes in game design and community building, which is a fantastic combination. So, Purik, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So, uh, you are the you guys have won the GAMA Gamma is that Gamma yeah Gamma right. Power Retailer Award in 2019, 2020 winner of the current Best of San Antonio Award, and 2021 winner of the Express News Readers choice award so congratulations on all of that so obviously there's this is cool my daughter's super excited about wanting to go visit your space we've never been there we're definitely going to make a, a stop by there but what was the inspiration for creating this type of business well uh, brenda and i were in the army and we were traveling the world one of the things that we do to every new spot was go visit the game store of that town uh, and usually there was only one and resoundingly, the experience was that when we walked back out of that store, we always said to each other, we could have done that better. They had a lot of potential of space or ambiance or whatever, and they just didn't realize it or they didn't pursue it. And we we felt really disappointed in what we thought the relationship should be between us and that store. And it, it was really sterile and really disappointing. So that was the experience that was really in the last 15 to 20 years of game store hopping. And then when we got out of the Army, we really asked ourselves, what's, what's next for us? And it was Brenda's idea to say, well, let's, let's build a game store. And I said, honey, that's the kind of conversation you have when you've won a million dollars. What are you going to do with a million dollars? And we had not won a million dollars. <laughs> so uh, I thought it was kind of a, a ludicrous idea at first, but... She persuaded me with her past experiences as a restaurant manager and a business associate uh, for Bill Miller's up at the executive level. Uh, And then my gaming experience, the two of us combined uh, could get some good results. And we, we liquidated everything we owned to put into the store. And that's sort of one of the charms of the stores. As you walk in, it feels really homey because it's literally pieces of my home. Oh, wow. uh, the rugs are out of my living room. Some of the tables are out of my dining room. The wall decor was out of my living room. So you really get the sense that this is not the relationship that you have with the store is not a retail relationship. And I think that was actually some of the basis of our, our really rampant success is that the relationship between the consumer and the seller didn't focus mm. on that. And gamers, uh, they're sort of a disenfranchised demographic. Uh, they're always looking for a, a belonging, and that was the disappointing thing that we experienced was there was no home for them. There was a place for them to shop, and sometimes if they were lucky, there were fold-out tables and chairs for them to actually play the game, but there was nothing that really empowered their interests. There was, it was just this kind of, I'll serve you, and you can buy from me, but that's the end of it. Uh, whereas I wanted a space where they came in and they felt legitimized in this very niche type of interest. Mm. Um, and interestingly, that whole industry is blowing up. Uh, I think hopefully that's a good thing for most of us. Uh, one, it's becoming more mainstream because the mainstream message and the genres that are being presented on the big screen are these kind of things like superheroes and fantasy. Dungeons and Dragons just came out with their movie, uh, Game of Thrones on TV. So all these kind of uh, what used to be very niche 
weird type of subject matter is now mainstream. So you now have mainstream people like yourself who are now curious enough to come visit a space. And my job, I think, is to make that space as inviting and tempting as possible. And I can't do that with just selling merchandise to you. So the name, is it from Game of Thrones? I have a funny story about that. <laughs> Disclaimer, totally not true, but here's the story. Um, George R.R. R. Martin called me one day, and he said, hey, I'm writing this story, and I have this sort of cabal of people that protect the North Wall, and I want to name them after your store. I want to call them the, uh, the Night Watchers or the Night's Watch. And I said, okay, George, you can do that, but on a couple of conditions. One, you have to have wolves in the story because yeah. I have two large dogs at the store, and they're, they're wolf dogs. Uh, two, um, you have to sort of change it. It can't be Night Watch. It has to be something else. And he said, well, I'll, I'll do Night's Watch. I said, all right, that's good enough, George. I said, but here's the big one. You have to have a character in the story that's named after me. And he said, all right, I can do that. I said, and that character has to be really good with the ladies. And sure enough, there is a character in the story called Podrick, which Podrick. is my name with a D in the middle. Uh, and he is pretty good with the ladies. Yeah, yeah because you don't want to piss off your wife you know your yeah, business yeah. partner by the way let's go back a little bit because uh, i don't mark how do you feel about being called mainstream, mainstream. <laughs> oh yeah i'm definitely mainstream i'll take that all day and, yeah. and twice on sunday yeah by the way there was a there's an award that you don't even know you won it's the sharkmatic advertising oh yeah that's a cool store award because i asked all, all my employees are between twin mid to early 20s to very early 30s and on thursday night at my office we host game night they don't invite me they ask me to buy the beer but <laughs> i but i don't i don't get to participate and they have all their cards they have they, they all i don't know exactly what happens because i don't have cameras in there but they play games and they go out yeah. to gaming stores and buy and i said oh have you heard of you know night's watch games oh yeah that's a cool store that's our demographic cool store. yeah uh, interestingly when most people think about gaming they think about children gaming uh, and also, there's the idea that gaming is always electronic. You have consoles and you know a screen in front of your face. This gaming is actually adult-oriented gaming, and it's all analog, so that you're at mm -hmm. the table and you're interacting with a human, and there's an energy to that interaction that does not transfer to electronic gaming. So we really focus on that, and so it's it's your peers sitting at the table. You'll see your dentist sitting down, and he's he's you know, playing with cards. And then there's another person that you recognize from school who is uh, moving meeples around a, a board game. And it, it's a different environment for uh, people that are looking to become gamers. And that's one of our missions is really to convert people that are ignorant of what gaming is and show them the vast potential of it. And again, legitimize it, make it cool, make it make it something that you're not ashamed of doing. So other than going in and meeting people and playing games, what else do you expect when you, what's the, what, what do you expect for when people walk into the store? Uh, do people uh, bring their own beverages? Do you provide them? Do, can people bring their own food? Is it like a living room? Uh, is there, what's, what's the, what's kind of like a typical? A little bit up? of all of that. Uh, the store model or the business model for games is now to incorporate some type of eatery inside, a, a cafe or something. One, it's good for business because you keep now customers at your table and they tend to spend more while they're there. Uh, but two, it also enhances the ambiance of the space. And our ambiance is a very medieval slant towards uh, your surroundings. It looks like you're actually in a medieval keep when you're inside. 
Uh, there's weapons and armor on the wall. And like I said, the, the wolf dogs are hanging out. And you have these long banquet tables that look like you're in a grand hall of a castle. Uh, and our eatery, and here's the dovetail, our eatery is called the scullery. And it's really this very small space that is highly utilitarian in every inch of what it does. And we serve uh, food. And again, this is echelons above what we'd call gamer food. It's not Cheetos and Mountain Dew. Uh, it's paninis and baked potatoes and shrimp cocktail and all these things that you wouldn't expect in a game store. And then we elevate it even more by serving it on horn plates with wrought iron utensils. And oh, the people cool. serving you are in sort of these Viking outfits. So the whole thing is very immersive. Um, we, we really would like our customers when they come in to forget about the real world, forget about those taxes that you guys love talking about. Mm -hmm. I hate talking about that stuff. <laughs> uh, give me dragons and elves and dwarves every day. Uh, and that's what the space does is it, it divorces those real world stressors and puts you in a setting where you can really just commune with other people and using games as lubricant to do it. And, it's really good time. We have people stay there for twelve hours. Almost, I almost want to charge them rent because right. they're living there. You pay by the hour, right? Yeah. So obviously, your your place is going to have an impact on people. So, how has it really your store? Give us an example of how it's changed the lives of your patrons. So yeah, I was referring to the relationship between the store and the customer base, and how it has to transcend just a buyer seller because Amazon does that, and Amazon does it better than I do it. So why would I compete in that arena? So a store, a communal store like that, has to offer something that Amazon doesn't, and that's the human connection and the relationship. And to show how profound Nightwatch Games has impacted people on that level, uh, we have numerous life events that happen inside the walls that you wouldn't expect. Uh, the first one that's kind of predictable is birthdays. Uh, we have some private rooms that you can rent, so people will rent the room and have a birthday party. And again, these are the adults having the birthday, not, not the kids. We're, we're like full-grown, professional, white-collar workers having a birthday surrounded by games in a private room. But we've also had baby showers, bachelorette parties, bachelor parties. Uh, one of our gamers came in and celebrated his divorce. Uh, we've had five different customers get on their knee and propose to their future spouse in the store. And all of those were positive experiences. Uh, three of those, we actually did a full-blown wedding in the store, full procession. I actually got ordained because somebody wanted me to preside over it. So I'm now uh, Lord Reverend Mulgrew. That's official, my title. Um, and then to bring that whole life cycle full circle, we've celebrated two memorials. Uh, unfortunately, one of our customers was a suicide, and then another one was a COVID casualty. But the family said, let's celebrate their life in the space they were happiest. And that was Nightwatch Games. That's not typical retail. That's not GameStop. That's not anything that you would normally expect. So there's a, a, a magic almost happening within the walls of Nightwatch games that totally transcends what you would normally think you're walking into. And that's the hook is once you get a sense of that feel, you want to be a part of it. And then gaming in all its different forms are just the lubricant for us to connect with other humans. And COVID... Uh, we talk about, you know, the effect of pandemics on business. We had the same kind of panic reaction uh, is like, oh, we're a communal business. We're, we're hamstrung. What are we going to do? Uh, but we had such a vibrant relationship with the community that they would shop through us in any means possible. Curbside assistance, uh, remote uh, selling, 
just to keep us alive. And I remember some people sending us uh, money through our online service, and I'd call them saying, hey, you sent me $200, but I'm not sure what the product is that you bought. <laughs> and they would say, I didn't buy anything. No, I just want you to have $200 to stay wow. alive. Wow. And we actually thrived through the COVID wow. era. It was, it was really fascinating and, and almost like heartwarming that uh, when you're down, there's a community that if you serve them right, will rally behind you. Yeah. Pork, there's a good example of what I tell my clients after having been in marketing now for 35 years and I've worked with 1,500 clients. I tell them, find your point of differentiation. Yeah. Uh, it's not just a neat slogan. It's not just something you wrote up in your business plan. But what is your USP, your unique selling proposition? Because if not, you're just like everybody else. Yeah. And if you're just like everybody else, to your point with Amazon, somebody's going to do it better than you are. Yep. And if you're like everybody else and you have other people doing it better, guess what? You're null and void. Yeah. You're, you're no longer relevant or necessary in the marketplace. Exactly right. yeah. But if you're unique, if you're different, if you're better at something and you meet clients where they are, especially at something that a big multi-billion dollar multinational corporation can't do, and that's your unique selling proposition, then guess what? Now you're going to build clients and fans for life. When you're dealing with communal things and you have that differentiation, I have discovered that that differentiation is directly rooted to the values of the store owner, the store designer, or the company owner. And the values are something that if you're aware of, it can really fuel the differentiators, is how do you deal with your customers, who are your customers, and what is the product that you're trying to do with them? All that is, I think, an extension of uh, values. And even in kitchen design, I think that you probably bring a lot of you into the decisions of the kitchen. But then even more, you're probably aware of the values of the family that you're designing for. And therefore, the space starts reflecting those values. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I named my company Unique Designs because I design specific for the individual yeah. and not try and put my stamp on it. You know, and, and it sounds like, I mean, we're talking about environment and environment is everything, yeah. right? And I feel like that's why your clientele has made such a connection with your business. There's a certain clientele that values environment. I find that uh, gamers have uh, a lot of bad habits or a bad culture that they're derived from. And so there are older gamers that usually come into Nightwatch games and they see this amazing environment and there's an unspoken relationship of, you need to take care of this because it's more than just folding tables and folding chairs. So be nice to the, the setting. Uh, there's some older gamers that just don't want to deal with that. That's not the gaming tradition that they come up with. And so they actually reject Nightwatch games. As, as good as it is, they reject it because it's just not the relationship that they want. And so the newer gamers, the younger gamers, the, the college-age students generally, will come in and they don't have those bad history of what gaming is and so we can mold them and infuse the love of gaming with a blank slate yeah and then they grow up thinking this is the way it should have been all yeah. along everywhere you go yeah. because they haven't but yeah you're right consumers come jaded 
I don't care how good you are. There's <laughs> always going to be somebody who doesn't like you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Get used to it. Get a thick skin. Yeah. I tell people all the time. If yeah. not, don't go into entrepreneurship. Because no if way. you want everybody to love you and love your business and love your store or whatever, you're going to get that bad review of somebody that just doesn't get it, yep. that just puts up something stupid and whatever it is. So, yep. uh, you know, I like to say individuals are smart and kind. But the masses are racist. Absolutely. You know, yeah. so <laughs> exclu find exclude those. Right. Find That's your right. tribe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But but there's no downside to being unique and different. There is a big downside to being average and ordinary. Agreed. And if you're average Agreed. and ordinary, you're going to get the same thing that everybody else got and don't complain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Indeed. So... We've, we've made some waves, and we've set that standard, and uh, I think that's why we've won some of the awards we do, and the people in the industry, uh, again, either love us or hate us. Uh, they hate us because we've raised the bar, and they can't measure up, and they're, they're feeling the pressure. But the They should just be inspired. In I hope. That's, the, that's what we would like, is just to be an inspiring force of, of what makes gaming what it is, and how do you make the relationship between humans better through... That in that type of interaction. Yeah, okay. Every, everybody loves Cheers. You know that old show, yeah. Cheers, yes. where everybody yeah. knows yeah. your name. There's yeah. a certain mm -hmm. culture. You walk in, you know, it resonates, mm -hmm. right? People yeah. know your name. They feel yeah. comfortable there. They like the other patrons that are there. That that's what. Yeah. But you don't find that often now in retail. Let me tell one quick story. I'll keep it real quick, uh, but it illustrates that very fact. Is we had one of our gamers uh, call me at around 1 a.m. Oh, it's almost 2 a.m. Answered the phone and he says, "Hey." I've just been carjacked. And I said, whoa, are you all right? And he said, yeah, I'm all right. I said, uh, are, you, are you stranded? Can I come pick you up or something? And he said, no, they actually carjacked me right outside of my apartment, so I'm, I'm at home. And I said, well, have you called the police? And he said, no, not yet. And it dawned <laughs> on me. I said, his first call was to me, his game store owner. I thought, wow, okay, well, let, let's get you squared away and get the police involved. And sure enough, all that panned out the way you would expect. Uh, and then a member of our community heard that he had gotten carjacked. And the, the sad, really sad part of the story was his, his games were in the trunk. Mm -hmm. So he lost all his games. And so the community, without any prompting from me, uh, made a fundraiser. And they raised $3,000, and they gifted it to this guy so that he could get a new car or get new, new games or whatever he wanted to do with it. And the interesting thing about that is the people that donated the money, they didn't know him. They, wow. they weren't game friends with him. They just knew he was a night watcher, and a night watch was in need. Uh, That's pretty you good You don't community. find that yeah, at GameStop. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, no, uh, yeah, there's no correlation between you guys no, and GameStop. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. there's like no soul over there, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And there's soul here. There's yeah. a big difference. All right, is, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Uh, we have a couple of outlets. We have a Facebook page, uh, Nightwatch Games on Facebook, and we have a community page on Facebook called Night Watchers. Uh, and then we have uh, www.nightwatchgames.com. Uh, we also have an Instagram channel. We have our own podcast, Nightwatch Games Podcast. Nice. Um, and then we would really prefer that you just come in the store so we can meet you in person. Cool. Yeah. You can apply to be one of our Night Watchers. I can't wait to go check it out. Oh, yeah. You'll love it. We have a program called Ladies Night Out. Every other Thursday, it's a sort of a female-centric setting where uh, my wife and a bevy of coaches uh, take pods of women and teach them how to play games. And because it's one of those demographics that's sort of been disenfranchised and overshadowed by the male ego, uh, we're actively trying to wrestle that back so that we empower women to sit at game tables and and enjoy what they're doing on very equal footing 
And so you just described the construction industry. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. Yeah. And it's it's blown up. It started with seven ladies and now it sells out. It's like a 45 person event. And we, it's so big now we stopped selling tickets to it. We just open it up. That so, sounds awesome. Yeah, That's awesome. You, you are more I'm than welcome. I'm scared to, to bring <laughs> my 17 year old son, though. I That's think I'll never enough. see him yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark, I'm kind of inspired by these two. May I close with a little quote? Sure. If you're not living your mission statement, it's useless. How many people write it out on their website? Thank you. All right, as we wrap up the show, here, come right and check out our latest podcast and next video version of the show. We have by visiting our website at sa.com. Good job, everybody. That's going to